Hi, I'm Susanna Kalchich, and you're listening to Life in Practice podcast. I'm curious about the big questions in life and how we can experience more meaning and fulfillment every day. Join me as my guests share their challenges, successes, and what it means to put our purpose, our values, and our lives in practice. Hello and welcome to Life in Practice podcast. This is your host, Susanna. Today, my guest is Shola Kay. Shola is a communication specialist, keynote speaker, and and um, um, author. Welcome, Shola. Hi, Susanna. Really good to be with you today. So nice to have you here. So I got to know you through... Uh, Toastmasters and you're someone that has always inspired me and I have always uh, uh, looked up to you and uh, what I really like is that um, you're so like um, the way you communicate is just so confident and smooth but then you're also so warm and um, and relatable as well and I think that's such a powerful combination and I wanted to ask you is this something that you were just um, born with is that how you were like as 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 a child growing up or um, tell me a bit um, how, how it was for you when you were growing up is this something that just you you just had this spark or is it something that you had to develop over time uh, thank you for those kind words <laughs> Susanna <laughs> uh, I would definitely say that I'm a natural introvert so as a kid I was always that person that was wrapped up with a book, uh, curled up in a corner somewhere reading rather than out sort of playing with other kids and and socialising. So I would say that um, in terms of the way that I interact with people, it's definitely something that's come with confidence. I wouldn't say it's something that I've had to learn per se, but I think the more confident I've become, the more I've been able to relax and just be myself. And uh, I, I typically like simple communication, nothing too complex so that everybody knows what's what's going on. And as somebody who is a bit of an introvert and who has struggled to communicate in the past, I think it's really important to be relatable so that everybody feels comfortable around me and that it's it's very easy to strike up conversation and to to be a little bit vulnerable and share what matters rather than keeping things at the surface level. Absolutely. That is so true. And um, can you tell me a bit then, how did you start to uh, to get into uh, public speaking? Because I think your, um, your um, um, education was in science. Is that correct? You come from a, a science background? Yeah, that's right. I do come from a science background and uh, I studied chemistry and uh, sort of chem- chemistry related fields when I was at A-level and also, um, you know, into university. And I had a job, I, I, I was teaching for a while. So I was teaching in secondary schools in London and then I decided I wanted to move to the States. And so I studied for a while there and then took a job as a consultant. And I found that like a lot of people who study the sciences, they are not prepared to do a lot of communication apart from perhaps writing papers and things. Uh, academic papers and I found that I was really struggling once I left academia and then took a corporate job I really struggled to get my uh, point across 
and in particular I was working as a consultant and it's even more important if you're sharing ideas as a consultant that you, you can do so in a way that's quite articulate and I really did find it was very difficult not only because I was an introvert I was working in the USA where people tend to be uh, more uh, more chatty and, and perhaps more outgoing anyway than we Brits and then on top of that not ever having had any real skills or communication training before so I found myself after a period of time at this job they put me on probation actually I think they thought I was just being lazy or sort of <laughs> not not wanting to do a decent job and um, so one of my colleagues luckily she decided that she would uh, come in and we'd work together in the mornings and um, just built my confidence up over time and then when I decided that I would leave the corporate world, I thought it was really important for me to improve my communication skills. Obviously, by that time, they'd reached a, a, a higher level than they had been in the past, but I still felt that it was something I wanted to work on. And uh, I ended up becoming a professional singer after this, this time in corporate, which is kind of a weird transition, but it always had been a dream of mine to sing. And when I decided to leave corporate, I thought, well, why don't you just do the thing that was your dream as a kid? So I took singing lessons and then ended up uh, singing professionally for a number of years. And I think it was the, the, the confidence I got from singing professionally and regularly appearing in front of audiences that made me think, well, I need to revisit this public speaking thing and this communication work. And that's when I joined Toastmasters and really enjoyed the journey there did some coaching and training with other people and other organizations. And that's where the, the sort of fascination for communication came into it and then sort of combining it with my with my experiences as an introvert and then also with my experiences on stage as a as a singer so it kind of made for a bit of a blend that I share with my clients today when I'm doing coaching mm, yeah that's 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 great and it's so true I find sometimes like the very thing that you uh, that you uh, struggle with you can that's actually the thing that you will end up being really uh, really good at because you you want to improve, and I always think that's a really um, a really good uh, journey to 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 see how someone goes from something that they they had a a a, a struggle with, and then they just do something really really great with it. Well, I, I I really think that you've done an amazing job as somebody who's a stammerer and joining Toastmasters, winning awards at Toastmasters, and now with your podcast. I think it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's true. And um, our tagline at uh, at King Speakers is actually transform your biggest weakness um, into your greatest strength. So that's why we want to encourage people like even yeah, if they have a, a, a speech impediment, a, 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 a stammer or or social anxiety, that it is something that they they can come through on the other side and be confident communicators. So I think communication is so important um, to have that skill it's really really vital mm, amazing and you're a bit of a performer too aren't you because you do your yeah I, I dance yeah. a bit of um, uh, samba so yeah I do, it definitely does help being um, you know I guess being on stage where you where you don't speak you get that experience of being um, of being in in front of an audience so yeah, it does. It definitely does help. So I completely, um, I can see how your um, experience of singing on stage has helped you to become a really great, uh, a great speaker on stage. 
<laughs> Thank you. And um, I, I want to ask you, because uh, um, with your journey to um, public speaking, um, I know you had some challenging uh, experiences. Uh, uh, um, you had some challenging experiences um, at your work. Because uh, I remember for, um, from hearing your your story on the on your uh, TEDx speech about what happened and how yes. that like propelled you to make a change. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's it's something I like to share with people because at the time uh, it was I, I found it really tough to deal with. But when you refer to challenging experiences, the first corporate job I had, I mentioned earlier that I as an introvert they kind of thought that I wasn't speaking up enough in meetings and uh, I'd been asked to, to learn to be a coder I've never done coding before so a lot of things um, sort of seemed to converge and I felt like I wasn't performing very well but when um, my bosses I guess noticed or they called me into the their office I thought they were going to say that they were find me a, a mentor or perhaps send me on a training course and then they ended up putting me on probation and that was quite a, uh, a sort of nasty surprise for me because I, I, I hadn't realized that uh, they thought it was bad enough that you know my job was in danger so as I mentioned a colleague of mine helped me out and she uh, gave me some support which was really 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 useful and I ended up staying in that job for a number of of years beyond that but then the same thing happened I had a new job I was now back in London but the other job was in the States I was back in London uh, I'd been hired to be an account director and once again I think perhaps it was just lack of confidence in a new role and and over time of course that confidence grows but you need to feel that you're being supported during those those early days weeks months where you're just getting to grips with things and I had this job as an account director I wasn't speaking up particularly in meetings and fair enough I was supposed to have been leading those meetings and after six months they literally called me into the the the, the managing director's office and they said well look we, we're going to have to let you go because your clients feel that you're not adding enough value in meetings and so for me to have these two situations occur and as, as someone who'd always been a really hard worker at school and really tried hard and very conscientious it was a real uh, I guess kick in the teeth to be honest and I had this period where I thought right I, I just don't think I I want to work in a corporation again I just felt a um, combination of feeling unsupported by these companies but also feeling disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to perform better and so that's when I thought well what what would I love to do if I decided not to work in the corporate world and that's when I thought well as a kid I'd always wanted to be a singer and that's when I decided I would take singing lessons and um and then, you know, from there, as I mentioned, I sort of became mm -hmm. a singer and then got interested in speaking. But in my TEDx talk, I, I talk about empathy at work. And it, it's interesting because at the time I wasn't thinking that there was any lack of empathy shown to me with these two incidences that had taken place. But I think the workplace is much different now or some, somewhat different than it was. This was probably 20 years ago when, when all this happened. 
And um, the workplace is very different now. I think people are a lot more um, understanding of, for example, introversion, or uh, there's something called stereotype threat, which is when you have a minority and they are aware that they belong to, uh, or that, that there's particular stereotypes attached to them, they feel under threat and they tend to underperform. And that's something that's been seen with, with women in the workplace, with minorities, you know, sort of racial minorities, uh, disabilities and so on. And so I think nowadays there's more awareness of that, that perhaps, you know, what had happened to me in those days was a combination of stereotype threat, being um, an introvert, being new to the role, that things can kind of come together and, and ensure that you don't perform at your best. And so when I talk about empathy in the workplace now, and I run keynotes talks or at this time, you know, online talks, I often ask people, I, I sort of tell them what happened to me at work. And I say, well, what would you have done if you'd had a colleague or someone on your team who was performing like that? What would you have done? And so quite often the answers that come back, are that maybe they're, they're, they're being nice to me because I'm running the session, but typically the answers come back with things like they would say, how can I support you? What can we do for you? Do you need some training? Do you need some help? Do you need et cetera, et cetera? So it seems as though workplace has definitely moved on in terms of wanting to support diversity and wanting to support people with different skills and different abilities uh, as, to, to do their best. Uh, but as I say, at that time, it wasn't quite, so <laughs> wasn't quite so prevalent, but it's given me lots to talk about and lots of ways to bond with my audiences with that story. Mm, absolutely and just you know just f for um me to hear that you know that you were um let go for you were let go um from a, a a job because you were being too quiet and now you're like this you know you have a a uh tedx speech you're you're a communication uh specialist it's just like such an amazing jump and I, like uh how does that make you feel when you see that that uh that 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 comparison with those two um those two different uh, experiences of yourself yeah thank you Susanna it's 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 funny because that was such a long time ago and I think and you probably know this way mm. regarding being a speaker mm. and I always encourage my clients you know so we, we we always tell people to share those difficult times in your life because there it's the it's the difficulties that help people bond with each other and quite often clients say oh well, that was 10 years ago or that was 15 years ago I've you know it's not affecting me now but it might still help somebody else so it's interesting you asking me well you know how do I feel about this the transition because it seems like such a long time ago that I was almost a different person then but I, I think things happen gradually don't they and then we look back and it seems like it's all happened in one go so um so definitely I'm you know really happy that I'm able to share my story and share the insecurities that I had and the problems that I had to help other people see that hey yes well if she can do it why can't I you know I'm, I'm no worse than her let me have a go so that's really what um what I like to bring out the most in my story that hopefully it will encourage others to to to, to go to areas that they, they thought perhaps they couldn't perform well in mm, absolutely that's so true and um so I want to ask you so if if there is someone right now um, who's watching this and, and they feel the same, maybe they're really quiet at work. They don't have the uh, the uh, confidence to to speak up and speak out. What would you say to them? Like, what would your advice be? Where where could they start? 
I'd say there's a few things that you could do if you're feeling that way. I think if, if it's somebody who's currently being called on to speak up a lot in meetings right now, then I think the, the, the quickest and easiest thing to do is to enlist the help of a colleague. Because, for example, in meetings, if you it's very hard if you're someone who's quite tentative or you don't you're not particularly forceful when you share your ideas. What often happens is people tend to talk over you and then they develop a habit of talking over you or disregarding the things that you say. And that can be really um, demoralizing. So one thing that you can do is talk to a supportive colleague, perhaps who's in the same meetings as you, and then say, say to that colleague, well, when we're in the meeting, the next meeting, if something comes up that, well, you know, I have an opinion or you know that I've shared something uh, that, that's of value, why don't you prompt me or why don't you say something like, well, Shola and I were talking about that last week. Um, Shola, what were your views? And then it's that little bit of extra encouragement that will help that person, that quiet person to speak up. And also knowing that there's somebody in the room that's supportive and um, who wants to wants to help them uh, move forward and has been briefed beforehand. So I think that's a, a, a quick and easy thing to do if you have some allies or people who are close to you that you can confide in at work then I'd also say of course to take some training and these I think when I when this happened to me all those years ago I didn't even it didn't occur to me to look and do an evening course or to even get a book I just I don't know why I just didn't even think I thought, just thought I was alone but obviously today I mean especially during this time at the moment where so much communication is happening online there's all sorts of online courses that are available on platforms like Udemy, uh, there's books, there's organizations like Toastmasters, which are right now they're online as well. So you can join any club anywhere. It doesn't have to be a local club. So there's all sorts of opportunities for you to get to, to practice more. And then even within that, there are things you can do like uh, memorize some little frameworks. For example, one framework is called the PEEP framework, P-triple-E-P. And the way that works is it's really great if you're being asked an opinion, because then you, let's say someone said to me, um, oh, Shola, what's your opinion on, uh, I don't know, traffic in central London, right? So I might say, well, I, I think that in the future, at some point, traffic will be, a lot, non-emergency traffic will be banned. And then, I'll, then the three E's are for examples. So I might say, well, for example, if you look at city x you know this is what's happening there another example is that the air pollution is so high that it's soon going to be problematic if we have too much traffic and and so on and so forth so you'd give three examples and then you'd wrap up with your final point um with your point again just to kind of close out what you've said and there are a ton of little frameworks like this i've actually written a book it's not been published yet but it's called speak up on the spot but there are lots of frameworks that you can find on the internet and i think when you have a framework, even if you're not sure exactly what you're going to say, as long as you know the, the steps from A to B or A to C, that can give you an, an amount of comfort that you're using a, a, a sort of well-trodden pathway. And then you can just sort of hang your own bits of information off the various steps. So I think frameworks can really help. And the, the good thing about them is you can practice them at home. So you might kind of mock up a question that you might be asked in a meeting and then just practice how you would get your opinion across. And I think those three, obviously there's lots of other things you could do as well, but I think those three would be a really good start for somebody who's a bit afraid of, or not afraid, but a bit reluctant to speak up. Mm, that's some really, really great points. Uh, yeah, I really, really love that. And yeah, I can definitely um, say like from my experience going to uh, uh, Toastmasters, that's like such a huge help, just constantly 
being there with 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 a with a group uh speaking out and also you know uh uh, practicing uh, uh, prepared speeches. So obviously, with that, you've got you know you can you can write your own um, uh, framework. But then also doing uh, table topics where you get to practice the um, the 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 impromptu speaking style as well. And I just think it's such a great environment to um, be in. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really helps a lot. And um, now if, if someone maybe if like maybe they've gone through that, so now they feel a lot more uh, confident in communicating and maybe they 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 would like to take on speaking um, per, uh, professionally. Um, what would you say to them? Like, how was your journey like um, to to becoming a professional speaker? Yeah, good question, Susanna. And it's, I think everybody has a different journey mm -hmm. to becoming a professional speaker. There's no simple pathway. And you get people that sort of done a, little, a couple of speeches and say, right, where's the book of all the, the speaking gigs that are paid handsomely, because I'm ready now. And there is no book, you basically have to create your own opportunities. So um, in terms of becoming a paid speaker, I'd say the very first thing someone needs to do is think about who they want to speak to and what they want to speak about, because there are so many different audiences, so many different groups that you could speak to, so many different needs in terms of topics. And these days, because speaking is so competitive, it's really important to, to have a, a niche or to have a specialism, because you have a lot of people that say, well, I can speak on any topic. And that instantly will disqualify you from a lot of opportunities because they want specialists and not generalists. So the very first thing is to, I think, to do an audit of the experiences that you've had, the jobs that you've, you've had, the roles you've, you've had, the interests that you, you have, and then to decide where you will focus upon with your speaking. And it doesn't have to be forever. It might just be for the first six months just to get you in the door and to give you some practice and give you some opportunities. Because I'd always say to leverage what you have before you try and jump to something new. So for example, if you've worked in the, cor the corporate arena, arena in a certain role, then leverage that, leverage that in information that you have, leverage the contacts that you have and start there. And then maybe after a few months, you might say, okay, well, really, truly, I want to speak about health and wellness or I want to speak about it. And, and that's fine. You can sort of, once you've got a little bit of a foot in the door, then you can branch off to other areas. But the most important thing is to really get started. So I'd say that's the very first thing. And then just start thinking about all the people, you know, all the contacts that you have, where can you get to speak and where can you get some footage from and some testimonials? Because then once you've got some footage and testimonials and some speech ideas, you can create a little website um, or even if it's a, just a Facebook page or a LinkedIn profile. And then once you've got that and you've got some video, people can start to see, OK, well, this is what this person does. This is what they're about. Hear some testimonials. And then it, it kind of snowballs from there. And some people, it, it, it's really quick for them, you know, to make that transition from uh, uh, amateur speaker to professional. And some, it, it takes a, a lot longer and everyone has their own path. And I think as long as you're speaking on topics that you're interested in and you're inspiring and motivating other people, it, 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 that's, that's what a lot of speakers are in it for. So whether you're being paid or not, you're on the journey, you're on the road and, and it's important to just keep going. 
Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic. And how was that? Um, how was that experience for for you? Was it hard to to um, to um, get started as a, uh, a a professional speaker, or was it kind of an easy transition for you? I would say it's gosh, it's hard or easy. I'd say it was. I'd say it's it was it's it's never as easy as you think. I guess mm. unless some people just land, you know, land nicely in the right place. Mm. And I started out by running a an, an in, not an Instagram group, a a meetup group. So I remember that my I had a coach at the time, and my coach. I, I was telling my coach, look, I really want to be a speaker. I was even crying to him. And he said, well, you know, who, who do you want to speak to? So I don't know. What do you want to speak about? I don't know. So then I could see him sort of rolling his eyes. They said, okay, well, okay, we can, we can do something here. So he made me get a notebook and my diary, my calendar. And he said, well, you can start a meetup group and then you can actually take control of it by actually being the person that creates your own environment to speak in. So I started this meetup group. I decided I'd have a, a series of meetings once a month and I think as soon as you start to create something you're instantly seen as a leader anyway so that gave me a little bit of a propulsion um, in in some people's eyes at least because I was this person that was running this session and then I was able to give other people speaking opportunities through through my platform and then from there I, I wrote my book uh, my first book how to be a diva at public speaking and then having a book again gave me a little bit of extra kudos if you like and then that got me some um, speaking opportunities at, at places like Marie Claire um, and I, I did some bits and pieces around that so it, it, it's it's all a journey I mean every everything you do kind of helps you get to the next step and then you're like, okay so now I've got further to go so then you do something else to get you to the next step so I it definitely I'm my journey is still progressing there are things mm. there are things I'd like to achieve with my speaking mm. and um, I'm, I'm grateful that I am a professional speaker now and I've, I've got to speak internationally and um, at some big events and I'm looking forward to, to more of the same really. Mm, fantastic yeah and I'm really glad you uh, uh, brought up your book because I'd like to go on to um, that now so what was it that inspired you to um, write your book and what does it mean to speak like a diva <laughs> well what inspired me to write my book it's funny with that same coach I remember we were talking and during another session and I was saying oh I'd, I'd quite like to write a business book and he said well the first book you should write should be should have your story in it and I thought well how can I have my story but also make it something that's relevant to other people so I didn't want to do some sort of vanity project that was all about me because it's just not my style so I thought well if I have something about my transition from being a professional singer to a speaker there's value there for people because I was often meeting people who'd say to me well what do you do and I'd say oh, I'm, a, I'm a singer and they'd be like wow you're a singer but then that sort of, um, I guess, glamour, if you like, didn't carry over to, to public speaking because a lot of people are afraid of speaking. And I was thinking, well, they're actually quite similar. So if I could somehow show people how much fun it is to be a speaker and how it's quite similar to the, the, the joy and the fun of being an entertainer, then maybe I could entice more people to, to get excited about public speaking. So that's why I decided to write my book, How to Be a Diva at Public Speaking. And diva described me as a professional singer uh, but I'm not a diva type person but just diva as a prof professional singer and then it also became a framework 
So I sort of reverse engineered this the framework, DIVA, and D stands for being a dynamic speaker. So having a bit of life and uh, it doesn't mean to say you have to jump up and down and be crazy on stage, but there are different ways to be dynamic. So perhaps you, you, you're someone who likes to use interesting language. Perhaps you're somebody who likes to interact with the audience. That's my preference. I, I, I do a lot of interaction. There's different ways to be dynamic. Then I is for inspiring and I is about storytelling and inspiring your audience through, through stories of what have hap what's happened. V is being valuable, and that's really about having a good structure and then also strong content that people can, can use and take away and, and feel that it can actually change their lives. And then A finally is for being authentic. And I think it's, it's super important to be yourself because there's a, a certain strength that comes from just accepting who you are and, and saying, yes, maybe I still need to improve. There's things I need to work on. I'm a work in progress, but just also accepting that this, this is who I am. This, these are my values. This is what I stand for. And it's almost like once you are comfortable with that, you can just exhale. Like, oh. And then I can be in front of any audience or anyone can be in front of any audience because they're not trying to be someone they're not. They're just comfortable and natural as they are. So that was the diva framework. And it, and I still use it now when I'm doing public speaking training, because it's I've had people say um, women who've come to one of my sessions and said, oh, I shared that with my husband. And he gave a, a talk to his legal colleagues and used the framework and he, he found it was really helpful so I've had pe all sorts of people use that framework and 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 have found that it it helped them to become more confident as speakers so I didn't drop it <laughs> yeah no it's it's a fantastic um framework it's really really great um and really inspiring as well um and I want to ask you like what do you think are some of the most common um ma um mistakes that uh that that you see people make in their in their uh, speeches or when they're performing on stage. Hmm. Well, in in terms of speaking, I think one mistake people make is is to not, and this is really more perhaps people who are sort of speaking, you know, five six minutes, um, a sort of average level, uh, and just sort of learning to speak, or maybe work presentations, but rehearsing enough is a big one because people often spend ages and ages on their slides or on their deck or whatever it might be but then they don't run through the actual presentation times and what that tends to mean is they often get the timing wrong or they'll have certain language that they've included in the presentation that they trip over every time because the, the written they've written the presentation before they've spoken it and quite often written the written getting a, a message across in the written word is very different than getting it across in the spoken word and you've got to remember that as a speaker quite often the our audience don't have notes to follow along with they've, they've all they've got are their ears really to hear what we're saying so if we use language that is you know too many syllables long words complicated jargon filled the audience can't keep up with us because they're busy pondering what we said one minute ago and we've already moved on so it's super important to write a presentation or to create a presentation using the sort of language that's that's meant to be spoken which typically means quite simple language that pe so people can grasp the concept the concept may not be simple but if you can explain it in simple language then people can can stay with you so i think that's perhaps one of my big um not bugbears, but just one tip that I'd have for people regarding creating uh, presentations and speeches. 
Mm, yeah, that's so true. That's brilliant. I really, really like that tip. And um, I want to ask you um, about your book as well. How was the uh, the the process of uh, writing it? Did you find that challenging? Was it hard or did, does that come quite easy to you? Yeah, how was writing the book? It wasn't too bad, actually. It's I'd got a book by, I forget the guy's name now. Um, I can give it to you in the notes. It was, yeah. it's, there's quite a few books out there about writing books. Mm-hmm. And I, I had two or three and read those first. But what I did is I created a mind map of all the things that I potentially could put in this book. And uh, it was this sort of big mind map, loads of different colors. I created that. And then from there, I was able to break it down into chapters and then make the chapters into sections of each chapter. And it, it actually, once I'd done that, it made the book writing quite straightforward because every day it was just a case of filling out a certain part of this mind map with, with detail. And then, of course, there's a horrible bit at the end where you've written this kind of load of garbage and you've got to sit for weeks and kind of make it into something that that someone would want to read. But I think what they call it, they call it the sort of messy first draft. So the the first draft is the important one because you've just got to get the stuff out there. And then it's actually often easier to edit than to to create the thing in the first place. So the book, yeah, I mean, I've written a couple more since then, so it can't have been that bad. I wouldn't want to write any more, I think, because it just, you just want it to be over sort of thing. I didn't enjoy the writing, but <laughs> but I enjoyed the result, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's great. And um, I want to move on now to your uh, TEDx speech. Now to speak on the TEDx speech, uh, sorry, to speak on the TEDx stage is, I'd say, probably a dream for um most people um, who want to be uh, professional uh, speakers. So can you tell me a bit about how that experience was for you? Like, how did you get on the stage? Like, how, how, like, how was it to, uh, uh, how, like, how long do you need to prepare for a TEDx talk? Yeah, it was, it was interesting because it was something, I guess I'd wanted to do a TEDx, but it wasn't a burning ambition. But then a coach that I'd worked with had heard that uh, TEDx, it was actually TEDx Peckham, was looking for speakers. So literally with days to spare, I put in an application and they came back and said, yes, you know, we'd like you to come and speak. So it, it, it was an interesting process because I like when I'm speaking to groups, I really like to be interactive. So I like to get people to put their hands up and I like to ask questions and have them feedback. And the TED TED format or the TEDx format is very different than that. It's very much, you know, you just do your talk start to finish. And also within the the framework of, uh, or the structure of a a TED or TEDx talk, um, some of the elements I was used to as being a Toastmaster, I was told, not to include so for example to have um, what we call a roadmap where you start your talk and then you say well this is what we're looking at today steps one two and three I was told don't include a roadmap that you just don't have roadmaps in in TEDx talks so I think I think the pressure of of thinking oh gosh this is my TEDx and then it being a little bit different than what I'd encountered before and also different than what I the way I like to speak made it and not the most enjoyable process for me because I was feeling I kept changing the talk even the morning of the talk itself you know because they they say to you have it ready you know a good month or so beforehand so you can just relax and memorize it and give it really well on the day and I remember that on the day I remember I I was 
I woke up and said, oh, I can change this bit. So I changed some paragraphs, you know, just, just on the morning of the talks. Of course, that led me to being very, very unstable and very insecure when I delivered it. And then what happened was um, you wear a headset for the, sorry, Susanna, were you going to say something? No, no, I was just going to so, say, like, like you cannot no. tell at all. Like, you are on stage. You look so <laughs> confident. Like, you knew exactly what you were doing. You look so great. <laughs> so, so to hear that's really, really, uh, really surprising for me. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't feel that way. And and then also I had an ear, earrings in and they said, oh, well, if you if you want to wear earrings, well, don't wear earrings because they will knock against the, the headset. And so, of course, I, I, I in the rehearsal, they didn't knock against the headset. So I thought, oh, I can get away with it in the actual talk. So then they put the headset on differently in the talk. So all the way through, my earring was banging against the headset. And of course, you know, it's a silent room and you hear this, well, I think, and then, so I was completely put off by, you know, this sound, hadn't memorized my talk properly. It was horrible. And um, when I got the audio back and the, the recording back, I actually discovered that this sound really, you know, you, you couldn't miss it in, in the presentation. And they'd put it up online by this time. And I was just so embarrassed. I couldn't even watch it. So then eventually I, I begged them to please, please, if I find a sound technician, can we take it down? I'll get them to sort the sound out and then we can put it back up. So they kindly said yes. So if you look at my TEDx talk, I haven't got as many views as a lot of people because I kind of missed out a few months worth of, of likes and things on YouTube. But at least we finally got a version up that is has got clean audio. So, mm. yeah, quite a, quite a, a story behind my TEDx. Yeah. It makes me feel stressed even thinking about it. I'm like, oh, well, God. But that's it. Like, <laughs> honestly, you cannot tell. You look like you're so great on that stage, so confident, powerful. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Oh. So, yeah, yeah, it just goes to show you have no idea what's going on uh behind the scenes so, so true yeah so true. and tell me a bit about that how did you choose your uh topic and why was it important to you well the theme of that particular TEDx uh event was a seat at the table and I thought long and hard about what topic I would put forward and I thought well the a seat at the sort of corporate table was important especially with the background that I had um, with, with my, these jobs where I hadn't performed very well and, and thinking about how to make it easier for people who are minorities or who don't typically get a word in, you know, where important decisions are being made, uh, sort of how, what, what's, what's the story behind that? Why does that happen? And I wanted to share my own experience in the workplace. So that's how I came upon this topic of empathy, really, and and how important it is to have empathy for people who are different than you, and um, and and yeah, that's that that's sort of where it came from. And I wanted to talk about something that was related to the workplace, mainly because of the experiences that I'd had that had driven me away from it. And um, then I thought, well, perhaps with this topic, it would be a good way to kind of come back and and have something that was relevant to 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 workplaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so true. And I think things that you uh, uh, spoke about uh, during that talk as well, like how uh, companies actually perform so much um, better when you do have a, uh, a supportive team, people that I think it was you, you, you used the, the, the example of when you have a supervisor who actually cares about you or that you feel that they care about you like the team just works so much um better and it's so true like I've seen it in 
in in uh, in my own experiences at work where you have someone who who doesn't care the whole, like there's no teamwork like then people don't care about the job that that uh that they're doing and then the whole thing just doesn't work well and it's so true and so how would you say like how can we start to cultivate more uh, empathy in the workplace yeah um it i think the the first thing is that people have to learn to be better listeners because i think all too often people have their own agenda in a conversation and it's about what can they get across versus listening to understand where the other person's coming from and and being a sounding board or just making sure that you you haven't listened just at a very sort of superficial level but keeping keeping on asking them questions or giving them opportunities to share more and more because quite often it's when you have those when you give people those opportunities to share and you show that you're really there to listen that's where the real gold comes out and then you 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 have those conversations where you can really bond because they reveal something about themselves that either it's the vulnerability that bonds you together or they share something that perhaps you wouldn't have known about them and it's something that you have in common with them but it's a lot of empathy is about having the the, the curiosity and the the ability to listen properly to somebody because it's really hard to put yourself in somebody's shoes or to understand how they're feeling if you haven't listened effectively so that's when I run sessions on empathy we typically spend a good probably a third of the time talking about listening skills and talking about empathic listening where you're listening not necessarily to debate or to challenge them or to argue with what they've said or to disagree but you're just listening to understand and you're trying to encourage them to, to share uh, more and more rather than right oh that's enough now let me tell you my side of things so that's I think the foundation for me of of empathy it's just this ability to listen with with no agenda really than to just want them to to share and to understand mm -hmm. absolutely that's so true and so um would you like to see more um of that like of people having actual training um sessions on how to be a empathetic um listener like so people incorporate that as part of their like work training yeah definitely it, it's and it's interesting because with all that's happened in the last sort of six months with black lives matter and mm -hmm. what we've been seeing in the states and around there's been a much bigger push on diversity and inclusion in the workplace and with that the empathy piece it, sometimes it's included sometimes it's not but what i'm finding is that people are coming to me now and they're saying well we've already got the diversity and inclusion piece in place but we're finding that we're missing the empathy so can you do a workshop for us or a talk or something to for people to get that sort of foundation of listening in place so that all these other initiatives are more successful so um so yeah i think there is i think workplaces are changing and i think in it, it's to some extent because they've had to because if we look at millennials they want to work in empathetic workplaces and we're moving to a situation where millennials will, will make up the bulk of the workplace so to, to recruit and keep the people from that particular group I think employers have had to be a little bit more um, more more receptive of 
concepts and skills like empathy and diversity and 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 have them be more of a foundation in the way that they run their business yeah i i couldn't uh, i couldn't uh, agree more and it, it's so true because i, I you know as, as have you said um before as well to be uh successful now as a company you need to have a good strong team that are that where there is trust where there's cooperation where there is uh, support where people feel heard and seen and um and 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 included so yeah i hope that's really the way we'll be going um going forward with things when it comes to work and not just work life in general <laughs> as well <laughs> everywhere um so uh, yeah i want to ask you it's the time is almost um uh coming to an end now um what what is uh what are your uh, future plans now what what kind of projects are you working on currently or like for the near future Mm, thanks for asking. Well, there's, there's a few things I'm working on right now. One is uh, a second book is, is coming out soon, which I mm. conveniently have here at my right hand. <laughs> Brilliant. <I'll show. laughs> um, so this is this book's coming out. Uh, I'm not sure when this will go live. Your your recording, mm. Susanna, but um, this book will be released on the 11th, 10th of November. And uh, it's one I'm quite excited about. My first book I self-published, but then I was approached by a publisher in the States to write this second book. Amazing. And um, thank you. And it's, it's on communication, it's on more general day-to-day -day communication. So it's on, it's, it's very much scenario based. So there's um, scenarios uh, for sort of having deep conversation, scenarios for kind of chit chat and small talk and then scenarios for written conversation and and, and and other ones as well so I've got that book coming out quite soon mm -hmm. and then with Covid and everything being online I've been able to uh, do a lot more international work so I've probably got more American clients now than I have in the UK so I really mm -hmm. want to ex extend that and keep growing that uh, while we're all working remote, well, while many of us are working remotely, mm -hmm. so those are the two big areas that I'm 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 sort of looking at over the the, the next sort of three to six months, really book promotion and then um, keep expanding my business as a, a empathy speaker. Fantastic, yeah, and uh, congratulations on your new book. I really um, I'm looking forward to uh, reading it. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Thank you. And um, just to round up then, um, I there's like two questions that I ask each person. And the first one is, what are the key practices that help, have helped you to overcome challenges and attain, uh, and attain success? Like what are the things that you've had to keep doing uh, consistently? Mm. I'd, I'd like to say meditation, but mm -hmm. I, I try it and I'll, I'll have a burst of doing it for a while and then I'll stop and start again, stop, start again. My mind's always racing, so I'd love to kind of get that more chilled. But for me, one of, one of them, I think, is always learning, always wanting to, to learn something new, whether it's an online course, whether it's taking a class somewhere, whether it's reading a book. And I think this idea that you're a perpetual student is is quite humbling because there's always something new to learn and I think it's it, it yeah it just inspires me if I if I feel I haven't learned something new in a, a few weeks 
or even you know a week or so or haven't had time out to to do some learning I feel like there's something missing in me and that that that, that I get this sort of itch or this urge so I think just just we're so lucky to have so much information and books and and access to so much so so for me it's it's that I would say that just keeps me keeps me humble keeps me sane and keeps me growing it's so true yeah I really really love that like yeah you need we need to keep keep uh having new experiences learning new things um keeps our brains working as well our minds expanding so that's absolutely fantastic and uh the last question um what do you value most and how do you put it into practice oh interesting what do I value most? I would say that I value, it kind of ties back in with what I was just saying, really. So the opportunity to learn and grow, I think, and to be a different person than I was a month ago or sort of six months ago or before then. And I think with that, it comes health, because I think if you don't have your health, life can be very, very different. And, you know, we're seeing that now, you know, sadly with, with COVID and then people who've, who have feel they've recovered but they're just finding that they've got these lingering complaints and you know that things aren't the way they were before they contracted the disease so I think it it, it's a time to be really grateful for for having our health and um, seeing that as a springboard for success in other areas of life but it's very hard if you don't have that to um, you know to feel free to to accomplish other goals Mm, for sure and how do you uh practice good health i am a vegan but i don't think you have to be a vegan to be healthy (laughs) Um, but i i'm a vegan i i like to exercise uh, as much as i can so i tend to you know roll out the mat on the bedroom floor and do some exercise there most days of the week I, i play tennis um and drink water I'm quite but I'm quite boring because all my years of being as a, a professional singer I was always in the car driving to places so I got out of the habit of drinking alcohol so um, I very rarely drink alcohol so I'm kind of yeah I'm a bit boring in the way that I live I guess <laughs> but yeah. it works for me <laughs> yeah it's not it's like I also don't um drink as well so it's, it's not boring at all I don't think so <laughs> that's fantastic thank you so much Shola and if uh, people want to find out more um, more uh, about you, where is the best place to find you or how can they reach out to you? I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me at Shola Kay. I'm also on Instagram as Speak Up Like a Diva, or if you just put in Shola Kay, you'll find me. And then my website is sholakaye.com. So please do say hi, say that you heard me here. Yeah. And I'd love to connect. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Shola. This 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 has been great. And uh thank you much. Thank you so much for uh for listening. Um if you think that Shola's journey could uh inspire someone, uh please share it with a friend. And if you want to stay um up to date with the with all the latest episodes uh, please subscribe on youtube or um anywhere you like to uh l- anywhere you like to listen to podcasts on thank you very much thanks a lot Susanna. it was a real pleasure thank you thank you